We kind of know what the fuck we're doing. This is Master Shot. My name is Alina. This is Eddie. And we're about to find out what's in the box. What's in the box? What's in the box? What is in the box? What's in the box? The it, box. It's her head. <gasps> it's always been her head. <gasps> and there lies my greatest scene I've ever acted in my life. And just to let you guys know, zero acting classes. And well, that was from the movie Seven, which does have a pretty decent kind of role in the category that we're covering today, which uh, is <laughs> which is the psychological horror movies. Uh, and within this category, you can find the movies like Black Swan, Mother, The Grudge, Carrie, Psycho, Hereditary, uh, The Shining. The Purge, Silence of the Lambs, The Thing, The Babadook, and It Follows. Also The Witch, and The Ritual is also considered one as well. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it spans a lot, of, a lot of movies, and it's a big genre in the horror genres, you know. See, and I believe that it is as large as it is because these movies are 10... Like tend to be more watchable than a lot yeah. of other. It scary does seem movies. like a broader horizon as far as horror goes, because typically, you know, most of the time it's gore and people being dismembered and more uh, monsters and things like that. But with the psychological horror, it definitely kind of simplifies all that and just keeps it all right up in the noodle. Right yeah, it heavily noodle. relies on the story. Yes, definitely. Storylines and just it, it's it's really deep into exploring the depths of the mind and what the mind can do to one person, you know, and it can drive you crazy, you know, oh, like that type of crazy, you know, it's just it's 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 insane. And I think that's why it can span so far and it, it has such a broad reach into other genres as well, you know, because you got your psychological action movies you know thrillers it there it really does stand a lot but we're it does so uh just to explain uh the psychological horror a little bit more uh this subgenre of horror aims to create its horror through in-depth use of psychology uh threats are not physical threats as much as psychological threats it is yeah. more subtle in its horror and relies less on monsters and jump scares, which is like what Eddie was saying, uh, yes. that this is typically playing on suspicion, distress, self-doubt, and paranoia about oneself. It focuses on emotional and mental fears that create dread in everyday life, touches on the complexity of human nature through metaphors, which may be presented through monsters, aliens, and supernatural creatures. That's why sometimes it can be confusing if a movie may or may not be, like, a psychological, like, horror movie. But yeah. the monsters, like, if it is representing someone's uh, fears or depression or, or just really their mental state, yeah. for instance, The Babadook. Yes. Those movies, it is manifesting a monster that is tormenting them. But in yeah. reality... It is it's really just, that person. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 
it's well yeah it's, it, it kind of shows the monster within everybody you know and the and the fact that that's the most we're the most uh vulnerable when we're around ourselves you know mentally it's pretty wild yeah uh one thing that my grandfather always used to say was that we should fear the ones that are here yes like that exactly. is <laughs> so and i feel like with psychological horror it really just kind of heavy plays into that where it's your own mind most of the time in these movies that it's not even another person that yeah it's yourself projecting all of this 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 monster or this you know enemy that's that's trying to attack you you know your mind's playing tricks on you just like the song and so speaking of that uh the resolutions are also not always clear-cut they are more often showing uh, protagonists learning to live with their monsters than destroying them. Psychological horror is more dependent on atmosphere and ambiguity rather than gore. Yeah, so it's all getting that visual fear, you know, that visual scare. You know, you see something and it's it's like it kind of tricks you into seeing, you, you're not sure what you're seeing at a, at a moment. Just like in that one scene in the Babadook where she's watching the TV and very very discreetly you see him show up every now and again and then it just goes full on him just showing up and just dancing around and you know <laughs> being his old babadook self so you know having a good old time scaring the shit out of everybody yeah and like with a lot of the scares in psychological horror it is this like really built up scares mm. like yeah. it can be something that was kind of planted in the very beginning of the movie and it's just kind of worked on throughout the movie and then yeah. eventually, like, it just has this climax to where it's like, holy shit, like, yeah. did that just happen? Well, yeah, I mean, just like with the thing, you know, they can't escape nowhere. It's playing on that anxiety of being trapped with other people. You know, the paranoia is running. It's cold. The, somebody drank the last of the hot chocolate. Everybody's hating you because they think it's you, you know, and then they're trying to catch you on fire. They're trying to, you know use a flamethrower on you because you and see, with the last that movie, uh, fig new like <laughs> and with that movie it's like everyone is trying to figure out you know who, did? who the thing who, is who, who is the thing yeah you know? and it's like yeah. you start questioning every single wrong thing this person has ever done and you start to realize how many issues you have with certain people and like there's this lack of trust and everything and that what that's what makes it a psychological movie is I that like I, it just switches yeah. that fast well and i think what it is is it plays on the whole primal instincts mm -hmm. you know your yeah, survival as as you mode. get it yeah, yeah exactly as soon as you get into a situation like that or any situation where it's mentally attacking you you just go right into the primal modes that's i think that's part of the the reason why it's so it's so scary and it's so broad because it can literally attack. I mean, it literally affects everybody. Everybody can be. Exactly. Know, There's no hiding from it. Yeah, exactly. And so this genre does tend to employ plot twists what and unreliable twist? narrators uh, to further confuse and create doubt within the audience. So psychological horror is meant to not just show madness overcoming characters, but to make the audience feel like they're going mad as well. Well, yeah. And, and with these it, movies, it, I always feel very invested, like very involved. Oh, yeah. 
well, so, the story and and the music itself is also very disorientating. Uh, oh yeah, it, it just kind of you know hits you at certain points, you know, uh, very high notes, and then it goes right back to the very low notes. You know, like, you're really able you to follow the music, yeah, uh, like to the kind of vibe and mood of the entire movie, and it can trick you at times. No, it really can, and it's it, it's it's actually probably the best part of the psychological horror movies for myself. I just enjoy um, hearing the, the the different sounds that they can come up with, and it's almost an inventiveness of them trying to throw you off, you know. And and you're hearing this crazy uh, beats and and crazy music, and it's kind of making putting you in the mode where you're like, I don't know what's you know left, right, you know where am I type of thing. It kind of gets you in the feel of who the character is as well, you know. Yes, and that kind of actually gets us into our first movie here because it is a silent film. Uh, So the first uh, of its kind of psychological horror is The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari from 1921 directed by Robert Wine and is a film that introduces the way of using visual metaphors to portray the mental state of the characters. Uh, This film finds ways of unnerving the audience through set design and acting technique instead of using jump scares and monsters. And the music throughout the entire movie, just like it's that very loud, full orchestra and just kind of grips you the entire time. And this movie looks every bit of 1921. (laughs) <laughs> I will say that right now. It is in the creepiest way as well. Like, not only is it an old-timey silent movie, but it is probably the creepiest and unnerving thing because you're watching it now, and it just plays like something that you would see in the background of a horror movie. You know, people are just watching that. And just like we said, the Babadook just showing up and just dancing his happy ass back in the, in the little scenes and stuff. But it's... It's a, it's a, it's still a good movie. I mean, if you're a film nerd that loves like the history of filmmaking, I feel like this is definitely a movie you would, you, if you haven't already seen, you need to watch. Yeah, it's definitely a good starting point for a lot of more classic in the beginning yeah. movies. Just the foundational uh, of this genre and just any genre like that, you know. So, and then other movies have actually been credited as being uh, first of its kind, but it's still essential when talking about the psychological horror. Uh, So, those movies are The Black Cat from 1934 by Edgar G. Ulmer and Cat People from 1942 by Jacques Tourner. And again, they're both often credited as the first psychological films. Yeah, uh, which Which makes sense. I mean, well, I mean, yeah, you know, because... That's probably around the time that the silent films were, were pretty much at their end. And then they started adding audio to the movies. And, and that's probably what is probably the first of the audio visual movies as opposed to the silent film era, you know, which I mean, it, it, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the black cat is the book alone is really good. And the adaptation is pretty good as well. You know, and it it, it definitely does. I mean, you read Edgar Allan Poe uh, books and it's like that puts you in the the state of mind. Like it's always that, you know, he always had that 
unnerving style of write, like where he was trying to disorganize the reader. And it, it plays out like psychological horror. So, I mean, you can kind of see the influence it had from not only film, the film industry, but in books itself, you know, pre- And the film definitely shared, the film definitely shared the same tone as the book. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Very much so. And uh, the cat people now, that's not the cat people where they're dancing and singing on Broadway, right? And, no, well, that, that isn't cats. Considered that's cats. Typical, like, maybe cat Broadway? So is that the feline Broadway? I don't know if that... I mean, do they have their own city, or is it just them just hanging around in the big city? I don't know. I, I've never seen cats. Me I, I, neither, but I, everybody <laughs> talks about it like it's the next big thing, and I just, I don't, I don't well, understand Well, it's, it's been around for about. quite a while, so I don't think it's, like, the next big thing. Somebody needs to put the stake in the coffin already. It's I, Honestly, it's, they're kind of <laughs> creepy. It's kind of creepy. I've seen the previews for the, the remake, and, I mean, that might can be considered psychological horror on the audience, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it It just seems creepy but so, uh, but, uh it is important to recognize that in this genre uh, the most notable movies right now seem to be rosemary's baby from 1968 by roland polanski and uh the silence of the lambs uh from 1991 yes. by jonathan dem i ate her brains with fava beans And so, but it is also important to note that Silence of the Lambs is the first and only horror movie to win at the Oscars. Yes, which is a big trope because uh, horror movies, as anybody would know, do not win shit as far as Oscars or Emmys or anything like that. It's kind of a, it's almost like the uh, neglected stepchild, you know. Of, yeah, of even though they have such, they have such a profound like pool on our culture and just like i don't know everyday life these these movies are the ones that really make us question like is everything okay like well i feel like they're not credited enough well yeah and and the thing about it is i mean like we were saying psychological horror kind of spans it, it spans it's more general so you can reach a wider audience so they can get the recognition that they that you would get from a movie that's, you know, has a Brad Pitt or, you know, uh, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis acting and being dramatic and stuff like that, you know, which well, I no mean, knock to Daniel Day-Lewis. He is a great actor. But, I mean, the movie Seven, that has Brad Pitt. Yeah, that's. but did it win any Oscars, though? I am unsure about that. I don't think so, but it definitely should. It, like that it really should. I mean, that that was great. I mean, the the twist at the end and just having Morgan Freeman part of it in general, you know, makes it a great movie. Well, and then he, not even just, just Morgan Freeman. They they yeah. Well yeah no that's true. And so it the movie did like completely win the 1996 MTV Movie Awards. Okay, well that's something. yeah. And the London Film Critic Circle Award, of course, for Morgan Freeman. Yeah. Well, of course, I mean, how can you have a movie with Morgan Freeman and him not get some type of an award for it? 
especially like a younger Morgan Freeman. He, like he was born around to play a smart Pitt. guy in every movie. Like he's always the genius behind everything. And just yeah. so like I don't he's just like yeah, that genius just so intellectual and everything <laughs> like He's going to blow anybody out of the water. He's, like, he's, he's probably time. would be the most pretentious uh, college professor. Oh, yeah. I probably I would <laughs> never want to actually be in his no, class and everything. No. I would I would feel like a complete and total dumbass. And like, honestly, yeah. I never feel like that. So I would just I would just roll out of the classroom slowly. If he was if he was my professor, I would just slowly walk in and out. walk out. Yeah. Just be like, oh, Morgan Freeman. Well, uh, fuck this class. <laughs> and it's I like I not... have too much respect for this class to yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. I cannot I cannot do this because I know he's gonna lay some shit on me that's gonna just make me feel like a complete idiot. <laughs> like yeah, I I would probably cry, honestly. Yeah. Just like oh. Oh. Well, in other places though that you can see these psychological horror movies is in uh the Giallo Italian films. And if you refer back to our previous podcast. We, we touched on the subject in one of the best and uh, most influential director in this genre, which is Dario Argento. So if you haven't seen his movies, check them out and check out our last podcast. Yeah, if you're actually able to hear the Jalo films in two of our podcasts, not just yes. the Dario Argento, but also the horror quotation. Yes. Trademark name. So... Come at us if you if you want if you want it. We'll definitely accept some money for that. So, but just to help connect the psychological horror with this, uh, the films it has a lot of the like elements in this film that relate mm-hmm. to psychological horror, as these films do tend to steer closer to reality. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. a little bit that I'm gonna give for yeah. that. Other than well, that, you can check out our previous podcast. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the killer playing psychological tricks on the victims, you know, and just you know, pretty much toying with them like prey does, or a hunter, a predator would do with the prey. I don't know. Whatever the whatever that 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 go, saying goes, you know. So, and then like speaking that. of prey. Our next one is the psychological horror scene in Japanese horror, also known as J-horror. Um, and yeah. as for example, feels like uh, Ring from 1998, directed by uh, Hideo Nakata and the uh, Juon franchise uh, from 1998 to actually 2020, which started as short films and has since become a massive franchise. And it has actually 12 films to date, nine Japanese and three American. The three American films, you probably know them as The Grudge. Oh, yeah. Very, uh, I mean, they span a lot, you know. I mean, but it's such a, it's such a, uh, a basic premise and it's such an easy, it's just a typical ghost story, but it adds that element of, you know cerebral fuck it fuckery we should yes because you know? uh, the juan <laughs> actually stands for a spirit that has basically only come back due to the brutality of how they were killed that it is just from rage yeah no very true though very true 
I mean, it, it's it's like a like I was saying, it's a typical ghost story, but it's got that you know, anybody who goes in there, it's gonna play tricks with you. And I mean, even in one of the films, I, I don't remember if it was. I, there's like an elevator scene where the the little the little kid, the little ghost kid, just hanging out there, and he's chilling in the elevator, and then all of a sudden he spins around and meows like a cat. I mean. You know, th- you can't make this shit up except for the guy who made this shit up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and you know what? Th- these films, it's like, they just hit you in a whole nother way. Like, they're scary and creepy. Just completely. Well, I feel like they, they kind of can go different. over the top a little bit because they have, it's a different, it's a different culture there. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just like we can get, like, with, with things that are good over here in the States, you know, they they probably enjoy something way different over there, you know. And, and I mean, you can see that in a lot of, of the, the, the Japanese horror movies. Is they, they all have that certain familiar element to them. You know, it's always a bigger picture that they're trying to push. On yes, Which, and you know, uh, with a lot of the Japanese horror, due to the culture that there's with the horror movies, there's not going to ever be, like, an actual, like, kind of happy ending. Uh, Here in uh, America and with American horror movies, we always have that kind of survivor boy, survivor girl. Like, everything that has, like, this kind of happy music at the end. Like, everything's kind of like, oh, hey, like, eight of my friends just were brutally murdered. But everything's okay now. Yeah. Like, there's none of that in Japanese horror movies like the Japanese horror like basically if you lost everything like that is not a happy ending and it's like you kind of rather just be dead and that's what the directors really do take that really no one truly survives yeah in a Japanese horror movie exactly I mean it it seems a more realistic ending you know and it kind of shows mm-hmm. that, you know, it's just more based off of that realism. That's the one thing I do like about the Texas Chainsaw Massacre with the Indian where the, the chick makes it out. And she's in the back of the she's in the bed of the truck driving away and she's just yelling and screaming and then starts laughing, like maniacally laughing you know, the whole. But yeah, you can actually see the truck. <laughs> You see the trauma of her, like, watching yeah. it, like, her brother be killed. Like stages right in mm-hmm. front of you, like, in the camera. You're going, she's going through every stage of grief in the span <laughs> of, like, two seconds, you know. And it, it's a lot. And I think that, that kind of speaks volumes for the genre itself because it's just hits you all it, with several different emotions at one time, you know. It's, it's, it's knocking so many things loose in, in the brain from different parts of the brain. Alright, so then we also have Korean horror, which is known as K-horror, and with movies like A Tale of Two Sisters from 2003, mm-hmm. directed by uh, Kim Ji-woon, and Whispering Corridors um, from 1998, directed by Park Kyung. Uh, Whispering Corridors actually came as a part of a mass of movies released following the liberation of censorship in South Korea. Yeah. I mean, it it, it d- definitely um, kind of enlightens into another another realm with that like with that film industry in Korea, how they can now they now it kind of opens more doors for them to 
to make different types of movies and everything like that. I mean, censorship, you know, in general kind of limits the, the creativeness of, you know, directors and, and a lot of times. So, but I mean, sometimes having, so, having, uh, that extra little, you know, add on to it, it, it really does make the movies a lot better, you know? I agree. Uh, Sorry, there's. I, I meant to add. Actually, my my brain kind of spaced, but there's not not only with the K horror and the, the J horror, we also have horror movies from other countries such as Thailand, which there's a great movie that I would love to recommend to anybody interested and has a strong stomach. Uh, it's called Sick Nurses. It was made in 2007. I will not try to pronounce the names uh, because I feel like I'll butcher them completely. So I'll just let you know about this, the kind of synopsis on it. It's uh, pretty much a group of sexy nurses get hunted down by a, by a revenger spirit, pretty much, and a doctor. I don't know, the doctor. Uh, and they're, they're harvesting organs. Uh, the guy who's supposed to show up and deliver the organs, you know, whatever, whoever that is, you know, some mystery guy, black market dude, uh, shows up. But he has to show up in a week. So during that time, uh, they're hanging around in the hospital, which I don't know why they don't have homes to go to. You know, I don't know why they decided to have a slumber party at the hospital. <laughs> but uh, for seven days straight, I mean, that seems like a lot of time in the hospital for me. You know, I'm just saying. Uh, and then it comes back and kills them one by one. And it's cool because it kind of takes pieces of the story before like the the origins of why they're there now and it kind of plays it sporadically throughout the movie so then it's like you're getting little glimpses of what actually happened and what uh transpired into these events and why this this spirit is taking vengeance on these nurses you know and it, and i think that's what plays a lot in the psychological part of the movie so if you have a chance check out sick nurses it's yeah, I'm never watching watch. that movie ever again. <laughs> I, I mean, the fact do that movie. It shows materialism. That one chick that gets her head embedded mm -hmm. in the purse and she has to unzip her neck and it's, you know, the her her? Yeah, uh, pretty awesome. And it yeah, shows no. the uh it shows no. the materialism and our attachment to that material. You know? Yeah, no. 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 I watched that movie. When we were it's little, symbolism. I was like 12 <laughs> at your house, and it was not pleasant. It was not pleasant at all. Like, I, I hate that movie. <laughs> I hate that movie. It has stayed with me till this day. Like, all of those ones but right see, there and everything. I swear, we saw them in the, the like, movie? one span of one week. <laughs> but, but, but see, that's a sign of a good movie, because it's stuck with you all this time. Yeah, it, like, it has stayed with me. I randomly think about this movie. I think if a movie doesn't give you any type of trauma afterwards, I don't think it's worth, I don't think it's worth an Oscar. And I certainly don't think it's worth a rewatch, you know, how, well, no, that's not completely true because Requiem for a Dream, I've only been able to watch maybe twice in my whole life just because it is so real and it just kind of, uh, it, it just kind of kicks you right in the stomach. 
It really does. So a few uh, notable psychological horror movie directors we have here is Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, yes. is a director known for his take on psychological horrors, creating 41 movies that fit into this genre. Yes. Uh, and we'll definitely elaborate more on him later uh, later in the future. Um, but he he definitely opened the door for a lot of directors and a lot of screenwriters to uh, get immersed in this in this genre and kind of open open more doors and ideas for this this genre because it wasn't big before. I mean, it was it was there, but it wasn't as big as it was when Alfred yeah. Hitchcock. He kind of blew it up to the next level. Yeah, you know? he is one of the most notable horror directors of this time and has created films that hold strong even in the modern horror wor- world today. Of course, yeah. No, makes a lot of sense, too. Uh, right, there's so many different movies that, like, like whenever I hear his name, I'm able, like, it just kind of comes in flashes. But again, yeah. we will be getting into that in the very near future. But yes. however, modernly, we have another great psychological horror director, which is Darren Aronofsky, who I love him. His movies are amazing. Uh, The movies that he has during... Unless it's Suicide Squad. That was a little disappointing. (laughs) I wasn't. But But I can't blame him. I can't blame him for that, though. That's the studio. That's the studio, once again, kind of interfering in the director's vision, you know? So, but the movies that he's directed that fit into this genre are Black Swan, Requiem for a Dream, and Mother. I have not seen Mother, but I have seen uh, Black Swan and Requiem for a Dream. And Black Swan is probably second to Requiem for a Dream as far as my favorite Dar- Darren Aronofsky movies. Yes, yeah, so I like all of these movies, they do stick with you. It has a very yes. strong storyline from the very beginning of the movie to the very end. Uh, which, like, I say for a lot of movies, that's kind of hard to do. Like, there's times where you know there's been, like, a filler piece added in or, mm-hmm. like, different changes. Well, but, with these movies, you know they were very, like, just tactfully done. Well, yeah. And the, and the thing is that every scene plays a part in the full story. So it's like if you miss one scene, it, it, it'll, it, you, you're missing a whole piece of the story. Exactly, because like the director, he was just very meticulous, like with yes. putting everything together for I mean, all of these movies. Yeah, exactly. And and in *Requiem for a Dream*, there's this one scene with the refrigerator where it's trying to attack her. Now, let me just say that is so awesome, and it is so <laughs> terrifying at the same time because you're just like, does nobody see this fucking ele- this fucking refrigerator? <laughs> jolting and and violently like shaking and everything like that it is wild and it is a crazy scene and it fucked me up and i could not ever look at my refrigerator the same again (laughs) see and then the movie black swan which i feel a lot of people have seen by now it is like a really known movie in this genre uh with natalie portman it is incredible like between just of course having the classic uh like music from swan lake in it Mm -hmm. it also has a whole nother score 
added into the movie and yeah. with the difference between the lighting and the way that everything is filmed, it really does show the intensity of this movie. Like it just adds on to it. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, it really does. I mean, from every scene that you're watching, you're not knowing what's going on and what's actually happening. Uh, it, it's, it's crazy how, how it goes like that. You know, it, it it's like, did she really sleep with the, uh, the Mia, Mia Kunis? No. You know, she didn't. No. Damn it. Well, that was a, that was a pretty sexy <laughs> dream then, apparently. I don't know. I don't know. No, it seemed, it it seemed like, real to me. It seemed real, it to, seemed me. real to a lot of people. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, like, I, I don't want to give away a lot of the movies, but, like, you know what? Everything that happened, it was her. It was okay. her. It was the black so, swan. Okay. And That and, is the whole point. And, and let's just say that, uh, well, let me explain a little bit of the story. She's a ballet dancer. That's well, I would hope the they would understand way that. Way too seriously. <laughs> that's taking. I'm telling you, she's taking it way too seriously. You know. But the fact also, that, that is how ballet is looked at. That is the culture within it ballet. Made you. It made me rethink the the uh, ballet dancer's career. Like, I thought a lot of people. I thought actors had it bad. I think oh, ballet no. dancers have it worse. They definitely have it worse. So I mean, much and, worse. And then their then then their toes are like broken and crooked. And, and they still dance. And they still dance. Yeah. You never stop dancing. They're tough freaking. If you're if like, you're a ballet dancer them. that's listening to this, keep going. Dance, tiny little dancer. Dan oh, dance. <laughs> All right, but then also the movie Mother. I recently saw this one, and this one, like, has been on my mind so much. Like, even, like, throughout the movie and after the movie, even a couple days after the movie, I've been, like, looking more and more into this and everything. Like, the story, it is a very classic story where uh, uh, basically, like, just to throw just a little bit of information out there, it is about Mother Earth and, like, yeah. Mother Nature and everything. Like, uh, the main character, Jennifer Lawrence, does play a person who is only referred to as Mother and her. So, and her husband is only referred to as him. Like, there's no names throughout the entire film. And and I feel like that's kind of how it goes with a lot of these, like, with his movies. It seems like, you know, they always have simple, I mean, they're not so hung up on the names and everything like that. It's just the character itself is what's See, but up. these names actually, be due to the lack of names, it actually gave it a name. What? Oh, And yeah. everything, Makes yeah. Sense, with Jennifer Lawrence, she was Mother Nature, which is like, you know, mother. She was the mother. And mm -hmm. then him... If you also pay attention to the credits of the movie, yeah, his name and him are the only ones that are capitalized throughout the entire credits. Like even showing the producer and all that kind of stuff, it's all lowercase. So what this is trying to say is that him is representing God. Like okay. this movie is very biblically based. That is what the director has come out and said 
that that was what he was following. Uh, There is quite a few different biblical stories portrayed in this movie. Yeah. Uh, But roughly, this movie is just about the rape of Mother Uh, Nature. Mother Nature, yeah. Makes sense. I mean, it, I mean, it seems like it'd be an interesting film. I mean, it's, it is. It, it's his movies always have a bigger picture and always a grander scheme of things. And yes, it has and a also at the end of each of these movies, there's always some kind of brutal ending. And Mother yes. definitely has one that it does show an infant being killed. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, there is, it, it, it's it, not pleasant. It definitely sticks with you. Well, and I believe that in his movies, you know, you learn a lesson at the end. You know, just like in Requiem for a Dream, the lesson was do not take any type of favors from rich, wealthy weirdos. Because those favors always come dual sided. <laughs> so and uh, as of late. These movies uh, have been some of the most popular in the psychological horror genre and are magnificently made and to create a very unstable atmosphere. Yes. No, they, I mean, that's, that's where they get most of the, the real intense making you want to watch it because you're just not sure what's going to happen next. And you're, you're on the edge of your seat at all times, you know? And it throws you off because you're half nervous about what's going to happen next. And then also at the same time, you're like curious to see what's next. Yes. And and like Aronofsky has definitely nailed that. His movies are true through and through psychological horror movies. Uh, So, but with this movie category, these movies are made to feel like nightmares that you may have touch Mm -hmm. on fears of the common person has like, whether that it's like visually metaphorical instead of straightforward it it it's these like really intense movies a lot of the time that you're able to relate to yeah well yeah because i mean i feel like the the best ones are always about average people in these circumstances where they don't know what's going on they're not experts in that field they're not you know they're just kind of thrown into a situation and I feel like that's even worse because that's kind of how the audience would feel if they were thrown into that situation. Exactly. So, and it is also not only just seen in horror movies, as many action films also take these concepts to employ <laughs> into their movies because psychology is universal. Very much so. I mean, you know, what better psychological action movie than True Lies? Don't lie to me. It can't be true and a lie at the same time. Yes, I know. I know. It's amazing to, to think that a guy who's never taken an acting class before is so good at just everything I do. But with time and practice and dedication. You can be just like him. You can be just like me. An Austrian immigrant from another country that came over and became the best actor in the world. I mean, come on now. Conan the Barbarian? Fucking great movie. So then another be, psychological horror... Another psychological movie that you are able to check out is actually on Netflix, by Netflix. 
is uh, the movie Perfection. Yeah. That one was kind of crazy, kind of well, wild. It's musically unnerving at times because, you know, you're listening to this beautiful cello. And, and you know what? you're singing. It is quite a bit like Black Swan. Yeah, it, well, it, it, it actually had that similar goal for the main, the main protagonist. Yeah, it has like the same structure. Yeah, it's, you know, the, the creepy instructor that's, you know, obviously doing weird things. And you come to find very out. Very rapey. The, uh, yeah, very, very rapey vibes coming from this guy. And uh, you find out later that there's probably some substance behind these feelings, you know, because there's some actual evidence to some real fucked up shit that he's doing, you know. Uh, but it's a it's a good movie for it being a Netflix original, you know. Um, definitely definitely worth the watch, and like like I said, you can see it on Netflix. All right, so I believe that is wrapping up with what we have for the psychological horror. Uh, you are able to, you know, look up these different movies. A lot of them have been around for a while. Uh, a lot of them are classics now. And then there's more that I'm pretty sure they will probably end up being a classic. Again, uh, movies like Black Swan, The Shining, It Follows, The Babadook, and Silence of the Lambs are just a few movies in this category. Uh, so, But yeah. you are able to uh, uh, get updates on us on Instagram at UFO Projects and Twitter at UFO underscore Projects. Yeah. And on a more somber note, let's take a moment to think of the students who have been affected by the recent shooting at Saugus High School. All right, and this has been Master Shot. My name is Alina. This is Eddie. We're about to head back to our home planet because this planet fucking sucks. <laughs> Thank you.